Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're celebrating a big birthday for the Nature Boy, plus another great debate, but this week, the Eric Bischoff will be deciding the winner. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to After 83 Weeks. This is the show for all the fans of 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff out there. And together, together, we cover all the big reveals. We're talking about Ric Flair's big 70th birthday today. Welcome. My name is Christy Olson. Got the whole crew with me today. Say hello to the guy who runs the YouTube channels for, well, kind of for Ric Flair back in the day. And for a lot of your other uh, favorite wrestling veterans, his name is Steve Kaufman. Rick is still very much alive. <laughs> he's still very... I still, he's alive, but he took his channel away from you. He didn't... When did that happen? What? Okay, I'm just kidding. Oh, Please. sorry. Wow. No, I thought you knew something I did not. Steve, I, hope, I didn't want to be the one to break it to you. <laughs> I, You've been future endeavored. I still have the login, y'all. What? <laughs> All right. And another guy with plenty of power in this uh, professional wrestling business. He is the host of the AfterBuzz TV Smackdown After Show. Say hello to Christian Rosenberg. You make me feel so powerful by saying I have power. Yeah. Woo-woo. I like that. And a, guy, and a guy who's, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He has the power of the mind. We call him the encyclopedia of professional wrestling. Say hello to George Hermosa. I mean, she's not kidding, but are you guys wearing the same shirt? Yeah, we are. I was wondering who was going to point that out. Um, I, I mean, it's it's for, that, us, it's for us in teeth.com slash Christian Rosenberg. Is that One. arrow pointing to your left boob? <laughs> I can confirm for our Apple Podcast listeners out there that the arrow is pointing to your left boob. One of you us, could get one of those, too. One of us designed the shirt. One of us sells the shirt. And, you know, uh, just saying, maybe Pro Wrestling Tees might make a great gift for anybody who's celebrating maybe like a big birthday. Like who, Christy? Like maybe one Ric Flair, who oh, turned right. 70 years old on Monday, I believe, just a couple of yes. days ago. Right, so of course, everybody is celebrating Rick. They did it on Raw, or so I heard. <laughs> Eric Bischoff and Conrad talked all about him on this episode of 83 Weeks. And there were a couple of big revelations. They didn't get too deep into detail on anything, but there was one huge reveal. Eric Bischoff finally confirmed that Ric Flair was part of the booking committee. In fact, said he was in charge of the booking committee back in the day in WCW. This is something that's been a topic of much conversation over the years. I mean, it's no surprise, at least to me it wasn't. I mean, I mean, remember going back to reading Mick Foley's first book, and he was criti- uh, criticizing Ric Flair's booking, uh, booking in, essentially in, in WCW, which led to Ric Flair rebutting with glorifying stuntman in his book, and they're just going back and forth. But I guess it was maybe like the worst kept secret in, in WCW. Everybody kind of knew it, but... Mm. But I don't think... I, don't, I think this is the first time anyone of consequence has confirmed it. Yeah. Is only other than I guess Mick Foley spoke about it as if it was true, but once again, like Rick didn't have a title other than wrestler. 
I don't think. Other than, like, Ric Flair, the wrestler in WCW. that I, Right, know. yeah, because there are, like, so many people that, oh, they might have some creative say or, you know, they might get their opinions on things, but there are only so many that are actually part booker. And it's interesting that, you know, to my knowledge, this was the first time that it's been publicly, you know, acknowledged that, no, no, he was one of the people in charge. But at the same time, we always hear about WCW about... Who is in charge? You know, obviously we hear about Kogan having his creative control. Like everybody kind of kind of ran their own ship. It's not like WWE where you say where everybody hears Vince is in charge. You know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't surprise me that Ric Flair will deny it because in some ways maybe he had the same kind of power that other top guys had. You know, because that's what Dusty was there and you know other people were there too. So, yeah. oh, my advice is don't take a job like that unless you're an actual employee. Well, it seemed like it was pretty difficult for Rick to do because, as Eric said, he wants everyone to like him. So I can only imagine for people who maybe aren't really deep into the biz, maybe Christian Rosenberg, this is a good one for you. What oh, what, right. <laughs> what is the backstage relationship or kind of what goes on between like a booker and the wrestlers or why would that cause maybe issue? Well, the most, the most common and uh, most classic issue is if the booker is one of the wrestlers and that booker is wrestling in the main event or that booker has a title around his waist or her waist um, it, it's very very common I, I specifically remember a time with a wrestling company that I was released quote unquote released from and shortly after that company just fell under where there was a storyline that I was a part of that I was getting over but the booker the guy in charge who still had an on-air role uh-huh or on, on, on air, we it's just an indie fed, so on in front of people roll. And, <laughs> um, but he was he was like so I don't want to use the word jealous, but so surprised at the fact that wait, why is this getting more over than anything I've done? Mm-hmm. He got rid of me and then put himself in that story and just immediately thought that everyone would Ooh. not see the difference. <laughs> like three months later the company was gone. But but it, it was just like some some bookers just really want to, you know, hog all the spotlight. And then there are some that are just like, no, I'll still wrestle on a show, but I, I don't put a title on me because I know the rap that will get around me. Like, I don't want to put a title on me. And then eventually, you know, there are times where it's like, well, no, the storyline is actually better for you to win this title. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, let's change the storyline because I, I don't want to do that. I just had one like that recently where the the guy in charge was winning one of the titles and just like, I I don't want to win this title. And it's like, it actually makes sense for you at this time to win this was title. It so it's okay. No, <laughs> no, it's not. And 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 um, D will will get his revenge one day. Don't you worry. <laughs> but but yeah. So it's really interesting to see how it is and how quote unquote fair they act with it. Mm-hmm. And you know, then there's always the favoritism because oh oh you're best friends with it. Oh you're or you're dating the Booker. Or you're best friends with Booker. You're you're related to the Booker. <laughs> oh well, you're gonna get paid X amount more and you'll be in a main event you'll be the champion. It's like, eh, maybe you should do it to whoever's the best one. It's easy to see how things can get a little shady. Yeah. In all that kind of situation. And if you guys are all privy to something that's going on right now in WWE with Arn Anderson behind the scenes being on the out and reports that Bruce Pritchard is coming in, just want to let you all know that we will be sure to ask uh, one Eric Bischoff about that when we get him on the line very shortly. So Some of us are very on the curious topic. what he may know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or what, you know, just his opinion, maybe what he has to say. Yeah. Well, that's Yeah, no, we want the dirty details as per usual. We we definitely want we we want the subtext behind the text that he <laughs> tweeted Saturday, which was here's something to wrestle with, F Bruce Pritchard. 
I yeah. that's the you, I, you go ahead and ask that one. Okay. <laughs> they do. They have a live show coming up together as well, yeah. so we will get all the details on that. We certainly got the details on Halloween Havoc 1994 on this episode about Ric Flair. This was the retirement match between ha- uh, Flair and Hogan. We now know Rick was not happy about it, and this kind of came with a whole lot of backstage hoopla. Rick needed to know that he was going to be kept around at the company. He wanted a new contract. This is stuff we've heard before. Right, mm-hmm. but wait, there was a but there. There was some little um, some wanted the contract before detail. the match happened yes. and everything. Yeah, he wanted all that, but was this similar to the story we heard last week? Oh, with... Kevin Sullivan. Okay, that's where we're going with this. And then eventually, he was uh, Rick was replaced as a booker uh, by Kevin as by Kevin Sullivan, and he's just you know Rick is overall uh, a little suspicious, a little nervous. Him and Bischoff not getting together, not getting along together at this time. Do you guys have anything to say about any of these things? I mean, it was interesting. I mean, I mean, I, I think if a it lot wasn't, of people... you can say that too. No, like, no, I didn't no, give because, it because, F, because as I'm listening, that's okay. As I'm listening to it, I'm like. I mean, they weren't trying to pit Rick as the bad guy. I mean, he, I mean, you hear about cases like a Jeff Jarrett where it says, like, give me my money or else I won't go out there. You know, this is completely mm-hmm. different. He says, I want to stay here for a very long time, but I want to make sure that I'm valued and, you know, please you know, just don't have me looking like a fool when I know that there's no follow-up. You know, I, I think it's a little bit different. It's like, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you know, Bischoff kind of not painting Rick as the bad guy and saying, like, you know, I get where he's coming from, and rightfully so. And, yeah. and also with that, the fact that, okay, well, you're telling me I'm going to be back and I'm going to have this role, but, but, I don't have any, but I don't have it yeah. on paper. I don't have proof of it yet. And I, I would I would have acted the same way. It's just like, I want to make sure that I have this document and then prove it. Then I'm going to feel comfortable going forward with this. Also, just as an on-screen character, because he's Ric Flair in the WWF in 1993 when he loses to Mr. Perfect and leaves the WWF. Right. And now he's looking up. You can just ask me. <laughs> and he's still Ric Flair in 1994 when he's facing Hulk Hogan in a reti- and losing to Hulk Hogan in a retirement match. Like, and then he went to ECW. I that's not on that's not on the profile database. Oh, that is right. not there. But what I'm saying is like that's he should feel that deval that could devalue his name. Like it's the equivalent to what's a band that has done dozens of retirement tours, like KISS. Sure. KISS has done, I think, re- retirement tours my entire lifetime. <laughs> right. I'm thirty two years old. I feel like my entire lifetime KISS has been doing a retirement tour. Terry Terry Funk thirty six Terry Funk is another thing. Terry Funk has another thing where Terry Funk has had a whole bunch of retirement matches that weren't real retirement matches. And I will buy every single one of them. Me too. <laughs> I just like seeing Terry Funk and Terry Funk do stuff. But I I think part of what Rick was doing in 94 was solidifying his place on TV. And I, I am kind of curious if he had, if he felt a certain type of way about this, this is his second retirement match in two years in the mid-90s when we now know that his career went more than ten years past 94. Mm-hmm. It went until two, 2008. Yeah, he just had retirement match in '93, or not retired, but like well, a loser leaves. Well, yeah. loser leaves raw. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, loser leaves raw. That's not retirement, but I'm saying like he had the against Vader, where if he loses, he was going to retire. Mm-hmm. And then again, kind of fast forward to October, not even a full year. Yeah, that wrestling. So we should have uh, retired the retirement <laughs> gimmick a long time ago. Is that what you're saying? Yes. 
All right. Well, we're talking about retirements. Arn Anderson gave a very uh, eloquent retirement speech. This is a moment that we all remember from the show. They talked about it. And um, Eric said, you know, Rick was mad about the NWO parodies that happened after that, which I think we could probably have uh, guessed that that was the case. And we know also from his book that he that mm-hmm. he worked at a part of it. I have right? a question that I cannot wait to ask Eric What's when that? he comes on. Well, I'll ask him I'm when he's on. <laughs> if you want me to tell you what I'm going to ask him, I'll tell you. But I just figured maybe we want to wait until he's here, until he's on. Well, I think people are curious well, more about Eric Bischoff the than they world are about George Hermosa. Well, no, 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 I was going to ask him, like, you know, hey. Dot, Let dot, them dot. know what they're in store for, George. Just, I'll, regarding, be regarding, in the, I'll be sitting in the said, live chat with him all trying said, to explain to them what a well, podcast, what a podcast <laughs> is. Help me out here, honey. Because he said, like, he's like, oh, I, I regret doing the NWO Horseman parody. I want to know, like, do you regret doing it or do you regret a specific part of that, of that segment? Because I thought, and I've told this in person a couple days ago, I was like, I don't think you should apologize for that because that segment made me want to watch Fall Brawl 97 because I wanted to see the horsemen get their comeuppance. Now, whether or not they got it, that's another story. I don't think you should have done it on the same show as a very emotional thing. It wasn't the same show. It was was a week after. It was the following week. No, then you're right. He's never going to apologize. (laughs) Because if it was the same show, kudos to the makeup crew and everything ready that quickly. Did you guys learn anything about Rick's relationships with Arn or even, you know, kind of his more touch-and-go relationship with Dusty? They talked about a lot of his friends on I this episode. I think more than du- more Dusty, because I think we all kind of assume that they were all close friends at all times. Yeah. Uh, but they kind of have that professional jealousy where it's like, you know, almost as if Ric Flair was, you know, because uh, Dusty was, like, big in the 70s, and then Ric Flair kind of came in and took his spot, to be honest with you. That was his spot. That was Harley's spot. So kind of Ric Flair coming in and being maybe even better than what Dusty and Harley were, it's like, like I don't know, maybe there was some resentment from Dusty, but I think more so in, like, a professional way. Like, we hear about Rock and Hunter being, you know, jealous of each other, but in a professional way, you know? They would never mm, come to fisticuffs. I think when you're in a business that is this serious because it's both physical and emotional and when people want spots as bad as they do and are passionate and are devoted to what they do I don't think there's separation there I don't I don't think they can well, say I, mean, like, I don't think they oh, hate I'm only each other professionally jealous of you well, I think they still go home I don't like, think there was like guy. legit hatred <laughs> I don't think there was oh I hate that guy but it was like No I think I think in cases there there is I think in some cases there are but I think in this case there wasn't No Sounds like Rick and Dusty really had a tumultuous relationship that eventually grew to be a friendship. Like I, I feel like Rick, if I had to guess, I'd say Rick and Dusty weren't the best of friends or on the best of terms. Because until somebody, way past the time we're Rick talking Flair about, because Rick Flair wanted to be Dusty Rhodes. He wanted his first wrestling name to be Ramblin' Ricky Rhodes. Like that's mm-hmm. what he wanted yeah. to be his first wrestling name because he idolized Dusty Rhodes. See, so I kind of that's the kind of stuff we're looking for. So here, I kind of find it hard to believe that Ric Flair had you know a tumultuous relationship with Dusty Rhodes. Maybe the other way around. But you know, <laughs> like, but, but again, and again, but it's my thing. Is mostly like, Deep. man, that's the guy. Dusty was saying that's the guy that you know is the next generation, and man, he's doing it better than me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he hated him. I was just like, oh man, like. I'm just more jealousy. I don't think there was legit hatred between them. I think by the mid-90s that could go either. By the mid-90s, they've both grown into where exactly they were. That it could have become tumultuous on both sides. But what did Dusty care? Was it even wrestling? Eh, you still... You still <laughs> That's Dusty. what I'm saying. How, that, yeah, he still how, Dusty. How, Who cares, how, dude? How many times are you going to go, yeah. Three more. I get three more. <laughs> you get three more? Okay. Three that, more. that and fair enough, we take a shot. And yes. We'll be drunk. I have not said fair enough this, oh, episode, that's one. this episode. That's an example one. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of drinking, we have failed to uh, mention yet to our listeners that we actually met Eric Bischoff in person last week we while did. he was in town here in LA, and we got a chance to sit with him and chat a little bit. We had some adult beverages. Yeah, talk about this show, and uh, we really appreciated his taking time to do that. So I don't know why I felt the need to tell you that besides to be like, ha, hey, we got to hang out with Eric Bischoff! <laughs> that and, was pretty and then cool. we got to hang out with Brian Kendrick the next day. Yeah. A plus for me and you, Rosenberg. Sure. The evil. Oh my gosh! We are, and, and, and Victor and Rowan were there. We're we're so a yeah. listy around how we can here. Just drop names. Oh. Know. <sighs> I'm just shaking my head and waiting speaking for of, to go to the next speaking, part. Speaking of, speaking of drinking, how about that time where Ric Flair made Eric Bishop pay his tab? Yes. <laughs> uh, Segway City over here. Someone, someone should buy a shirt. We were actually arguing about this. Here's, here, this can be a, a, a mini debate. We can we can warm yes. up to the sure. big debate that we're going to have I'm later. I'm a great debater. Okay. Because we were talking about this beforehand. I have heard many stories about Ric Flair um, acting like the big baller, buying the house, the shots, everybody, taking the limo everywhere, and then not paying his bar tab, not paying the limo driver, etc., etc. According to you two earlier, you've heard... Uh, the opposite, or maybe have not heard that. I thought this was common knowledge. I, I sure thought it was like, oh, everybody, yeah, everybody knows Ric Flair acts like the baller, but then he doesn't come through. Like, I'm sure it happens, you know, but when you have somebody <laughs> like Ric Flair, tell David Arquette after he won the WCW championship, hey, as champion, make sure you take care of the boys. You know, take him out, you know, buy him all drinks and whatnot. So Ric Flair being a multi-time champion, I'm sure he would be the first to pay everybody's tab. I just heard that he would dump out the drink a lot, when, you know, maybe he realized he was getting too drunk, which is why everybody saw him working out at 6 a.m. the following morning. Because he didn't drink this. that hard. I've never heard this till right now. About him not drinking? About him... Did you not watch a Rift Cloud 30 for 30? I have. I didn't hear this. I, I thought they did. I, I, don't, don't, I, didn't hear, I don't remember that. I, I don't remember any of this in the 30 for 30. But like, but, like, when he's on, like, Austin's podcast or Jericho's podcast, they always talk about that. I'm about I've to text him. It's, it's late in Atlanta. Well, yeah, I mean, to, to me, I think because, obviously, there's so much history on, on him making so much money... And spending so much money uh-huh. and losing so much money, obviously that was in divorces. That, <laughs> but just like the combination of, of them is like, well, no, he has he has just a problem spending money, hmm. and that's always been the stories that I have heard. Okay, you have obviously heard differently. Yes, you've you've been around a few more high profile names that might have spent more time with Rick than me. So, and that must be where I'm more, getting this it from. It must be. Um, I mean, so I'm not necessarily going to question them. I'm just going to question you. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that definitely came from people who were around yeah. in this time. If if you were to play the narrative in the middle, I would say when he had the money, he'd spend the money. But if he didn't have the money, he'd still act like he had the money and figure it out. And that that was all part of keeping up with the gimmick. And so mm-hmm. maybe it was Eric Bischoff's part of just part of the gig to have to cover the tab at the end of the night. I feel like that he actually said makes that sense. during Piper's induction speech at Hall of Fame in 2005. I think he referenced I, that, I, too. I wouldn't know that, because my mind doesn't work like yours. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's because you are not the encyclopedia of professional wrestling. No. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the encyclopedia. Well, that was here at the Universal Amphitheater, too. Did you go? I wasn't living out here yet. Okay. <laughs> I didn't go. Well, the great debate you guys are going to have a little later with Eric Bischoff is who is the greatest of the four horsemen who is not one of the ones who was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So the four that we consider, Rick Arn Tully and Barry Windham, being the four, you guys are going to all get a chance to speak for someone else who you say was a great member of the four horsemen. 
how do I somehow feel like Mongo is not going to be any of your choices? Because he's not going to be any of our choices. (laughs) Well, first of all, I don't think he was the worst horseman, Mm -hmm. but he was far from the best either. Mm -hmm. But I do think that Mongo was better than, like, Pillman or Sting. Well, we learned on this episode that Rick is the one who's pulling for Mongo. That's kind of surprising, right? Well, well, I, I mean, I get that because he was a name. Mm-hmm. He, you know, really, he was the, f- was he like the first like big name, legit professional athlete to be a regular in in pro like as far as when it's nationally televised like that. I'm trying to think of someone be like before that. Not, not, mm-hmm. not when it went prime time. Because obviously you can name Ernie Ladd. And yeah, like now right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about like, I'm talking about like, like Monday Night not, Raw, Monday yeah, Nitro. Not, not when time. it was like prime time. Yeah, yeah. So, so with that, obviously, so he's bringing, you know, kind of a different fan base in with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was trying to combine football moves with wrestling. He failed miserably at it, but he tried. And but he did have a little bit of a charisma with him. He did have a strut to him, far more than a Paul Roma did. <laughs> and so I will give him that much credit towards it. I think he fit. I hated Mongo, but I'll give him that much credit I thought, towards I thought he was a horrible commentator. I thought he was an okay wrestler, but mm-hmm. I thought he totally fit the horseman. Okay, I we're going to debate who was the best within reason yes. later. Can we all be in agreement that Paul Roma was the worst? Yes. yes. Okay, good. Oh, there's not a deb- no no debate meeting. No sure. debate. No debate for Roma. No although, debate. Although, what makes Jeff Jarrett better than Paul Roma? Nothing. Jarrett, no. Jarrett, <laughs> so, so why isn't Jarrett no, on the bottom? Saying, Jarrett could cut a promo. Jarrett could cut a promo. Jarrett's okay. career after the four horsemen. But as a horseman, we're not talking about before because I someone can argue Paul Roma had a pretty okay career. But as a horseman, why is Jarrett better than Roma? Because he could still cut a promo then. And As a horseman, yes. Okay, that's all. That's all I'm asking. He was always. I, I mean, his character obviously changed over time. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Jarrett but. was always a good hand in the ring too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he's number two. He's the second worst four horseman member ever. Wow, I would see. I think I would still put Jarrett ahead of Mongo. No. Really? You're wrong. No, I think I think Mongo's middle again, of the road. These, are, the these, these are the seller guys in the horsemen. Don't get me wrong. That's the horsemen. I think these are the three guys filling up I the think, cellar. I think as a horseman, Pillman belongs in the bottom too. Or bottom that as well. I disagree. Bottom is why? Just because you're a big Pillman fan? No. Doesn't mean that he's it's not he because I'm a big Pillman fan. Well, I'm saying we all are. But I'm saying just, be, just because somebody's really good at something doesn't mean that they belong as a horseman. You look at someone like Raven, he, he was a great talent, but would he belong in the NWO horseman? Absolutely not. He would be one of the worst members if that was the case. And even Pillman's just now, the prestige of being able to say that, like Mongo can say he was one of the yes. four horsemen. Mm-hmm. And he was there for like three months, Pillman was. Three, four months. Before um, he, Wikipedia says ninety five to ninety six, but it could yeah, have been from like October, from like October like to like October. February <laughs> to the Super Bowl to the I respect you, Booker Man. Oh, George. Oh, George. Well, and what are you at Wikipedia for? I, you got me right here, dude. <laughs> The Forceman gave way of some of their attention in WCW to NWO, of course. And Eric talks about kind of the older guys being insecure at this time about where is the business going and like what's happening with NWO. And he says that Rick was sort of at the forefront of that, of course. Understandable. Well, yeah, I mean, Rick was pretty much like one of, if not the oldest guy on the roster. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Horsemen are pretty much fading away. NWO is fading away fast. All they have is the you know the New Blood Rising guys. And it's like, well, not really many of these guys are going to cut it. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? And if we do go under, is WWE going to be concerned us because we're the old guys? Are we going to be able, if this doesn't work out, is there a place that we're going to get a job? Mm-hmm. And for quite a few of them, there was not. 
Hmm? I don't know. I always... I don't know. I think people in Ric Flair's position always get pigeonholed as burials. Barriers? Barriers cannot be a word. People oh, who people bar- who bury. People yeah. who... Uh, okay. I, I-E-R-S, not I-A-R-S. Or you can say gravediggers. Gravediggers. Thank you. That's a, that's a much... <laughs> it's a much more specific term. Whereas okay. I think Rick has done... I think Rick would have done a lot, if only as a locker room leader and talker, to help through younger talent. But he would also lose to younger talent. Like, he would also lose to younger talent... Like if you if you look all the at, time. That's one thing I always liked about Ric Flair that yeah. he was always willing to at least get in the ring with a lot of the younger guys. I mean Hogan, you can only say Kidman. Right. That, that was an epic failure. I don't know what that was, but Flair was always in there with like Rey Mysterio or Dean Malenko or Conan. You know, just all these random guys. It's like a guy in your position. We were accustomed to not seeing that because we would never see Hogan with a lot of the. You know, we would never see like Piper with all those younger. We see Savage here and there, which, but, which is also why, like you know, if if you kind of push it towards, you know. Today, over the last few years, when John Cena had that open challenge mm-hmm. every week, yeah. you know, it was great because, oh, well, here's the older guy who we only see him with Triple H, mm-hmm. Randy Orton, and, oh, wait, he's wrestling Neville. He's wrestling mm-hmm. Evan Bourne. Mm-hmm. Like, this is so unique and different. And and that was one really cool thing about Ric Flair, because he would he would do that with, with a bunch of those guys. Like, you know, he, he wrestled, um, didn't he, he wrestled, what was the guy's name? Mike Sanders. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it's just like, why are you wrestling Mike Sanders? Because Ric Flair is willing to do that. And his being a heel and being such a great heel is what Bischoff said on this episode is kind of what facilitated mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Also, him being such a strong heel doesn't devalue his losses. Because I had a quick look, and this is across his entire career, according to ProFightDB.com. He is 49.76% win, 44.54% loss in his career. Who takes the time to make those? The, fo- the folks at ProFightDatabase.com, and I'm a fan. Steve's a big fan of data. It's probably him that did it. All right. I helped. <laughs> the statisticians <laughs> of professional wrestling. There you go. That's cool. 613, <laughs> 613 matches, 117 of which were pay-per-view. That's it? Yeah. I would have thought he had more than that. 613 matches? Like televised. That's course. what you're looking at? Yeah. He's had far more than 613. He probably had 613 with Ricky Steamboat alone. Tyler Breeze a few months ago on Twitter tweeted that he had his thousandth match. Okay. Well, I have a feeling the players had more. Well, then it's then it's incomplete. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's incomplete data. Fine. Interesting. I mean, 600 matches isn't. Let's something see, to scoff at, though, either. No, no, it's a lot. I, I'm, it's probably solely, like, Nitro and pay-per-views and all, and all that. No, I think Steve's right. It's incomplete. <laughs> Very incomplete. <laughs> I think it's fairly complete. And if, we're, if I'm doing a deep dive on the numbers about Ric Flair, in 1994, according to this, Jeez. he only wrestled pay-per-view matches, and only <laughs> once in 1994 was he not fighting for the world title. And it was Clash of Champions in 94. Well, that, well, it was that, in a tag match. Well, no, that's not... That's expected. But everything else, it was him for the title. That's all I'm noticing. We... I keep trying to do a throwaway stat so we can move on. And y'all keep getting... <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. Let's talk about Where's another it? Flair. Let's talk about David Flair. Ooh. All right. The guy didn't want any special treatment. We've They've covered David a little bit on, I forget which episode it was, maybe several weeks ago we talked a little bit about David. He, um, I think it was sold, the sold out 2000. It was David Flair and Daphne. Yes. And they talked a bit about David Flair That's right. in WCW. That's right. Well, in this episode we got a little bit about these uh, promos that are, you know, Russo's brainchild, of course, at Rick's house. And that they weren't wrestling-y. Bischoff says they weren't wrestling-y and he didn't really care for them. How did this all tie in? David Flair, Ric Flair. Do you guys have anything to say about David specifically? I just feel bad for him. 
Just because, like, if he wanted to be a wrestler, it's like, what a horrible way to come in. Yeah, it was, it was, we were, obviously there's, as we know, and they discussed on the podcast, there's always the pressure of being the son or daughter of, of, a, of a legend or a Hall of Famer or whatever it may be. But, yeah, to come in like that, where you really weren't even trained prior to coming in, mm-hmm. and then they just kind of flip you into being kind of a hardcore guy because you can't really wrestle. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have you run around in your underwear like your dad around Stacey Keebler and Daphne. And Tori Wilson, too. And Tori. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was probably his best part of because he got uh-huh. to hang around all them. But <laughs> that said, yeah, it was just a really weird position to be thrown into where he obviously wasn't ready for it. He wasn't trained for it. But, you know, they wanted, oh, we can get his son's old enough. Let's get him in. Mm-hmm. He, he has the blood. It's going to be natural. No, you need to train. Anyone needs to do some training to do it. Although I think they learned a valuable lesson as the wrestling business with David Flair. Because Charlotte wasn't known as Charlotte Flair until her like third or fourth world title run. Because she was just Charlotte. Yeah. In NXT. Well, she debuted as Charlotte Flair. Then they switched it to Charlotte. Then they switched it back. Really? Yeah. No, I thought she was in down NXT as Charlotte as just Charlotte. They they brought her up as the daughter of Ric Flair. They brought her up as the daughter of Ric Flair, but she just went by Charlotte. Not at first. Okay. I did not. Whatever. She's back to Charlotte Flair, but she earned, she essentially earned that name, and I like yes. the I, I like the idea that she went by Charlotte until she earned the right to call herself Charlotte Flair versus David Flair, who debuted in '99, t- tagging with Ric Flair against Barry Windham and Kurt Hay. I think the idea that she earned it is very uh, cute and everything, but you know, it's just whenever they were going to capitalize on the Flair name. That's it. Whatever, money wise, <laughs> t-shirts, whatever. <laughs> Christy, tell me how you really feel about it. <laughs> Pardon my cynicism. Hey, that girl can use whatever the hell name she wants. Yes, we got a little bit about Reed in this one, too. Very brief. Very little. Very, very brief. I, but I think, considering that this is a, that this was all about Ric Flair, this would be the time, if ever, if you guys have some thoughts about Reed. I don't... I mean, yeah, again, you want to talk about sad? I mean, well, like, as far as something sad, because we were saying that with David, obviously, that was, you know, it's just a terrible tragedy, what happened with him. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, that was, that was someone who seemed to be doing... The right way as far as the training, yes. going to Japan and all that stuff, and then, yeah, then the rest is history with that. Mm. Another another person who wanted very badly to be part of this business. Uh, is there anything that you guys want to add? You know what? Let's do this. They went out by uh, they're talking about ranking Rick mm-hmm. and um, Bischoff started saying, "Oh yeah, he's he's maybe one or two, but then he names like four other guys <laughs> that he kind of thinks are better." Um, he talked. Bischoff talked about Vince and the Hulk. As far as being the Mount, best Mount ever Rush, in, not, he's more in Mount Rushmore. As a Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what it was yeah, before. Yeah. Okay, and um, then talks brings up Austin and The Rock as well. If you guys are are uh, involving yourselves in that conversation, where do you land? God, I mean, that's just a super loaded question that we can argue for days on. Um, I will say I dislike the whole Mount Rushmore of wrestling because Mount Ru- the reason Teddy Roosevelt is on Mount Rushmore is because the guy who designed it was personal friends with Teddy Roosevelt, <laughs> and. He wanted to make a, and he was trying to get a bunch of them. How is of, that different from what we're talking about right now? No, because I'm, but pe- people talk about Mount Rushmore as if it's these four amazing, great, best presidents of all time. When in reality, Teddy Roosevelt was president while they were building it, so there was no possible way of knowing that. And it was—I don't want to say it was a sham, but there was a certain level of facetiousness and a work to the Mount Rushmore. No, like, I like this. You're, so that when people talk about their Mount you're Rushmore, you're undermining of the entire idea of the Mount Rushmore like, wrestling. Well, all I know is if you were to construct. The, the personification of a wrestling villain, it's Ric Flair. Yes. No, I not to As far as Ric what Flair he looks anyway. like, what he comes to the ring in, how he talks, how he acts, that is what you want your 
villain your heel to be. So would and, you call him number one heel of all time? Yes. Okay. No. Uh, but I put him. I, I put him. I put him. I put him in my top five overall. Over Hogan. I put him in my top three overall. Oh, I don't make me rank top if three. If I say top five, does that imply that he's number five? No. No. But why? What, then if he's not, then why would I say top four? I don't know. Or That's up three. to you. That's your mind working. I'm just saying. But yeah. I, I think he's top five. If you I, say I, top I, I think I would rank him above Hogan. If you say top five, I think you have five people in mind, and you may or may not be able to actually rank them. Well, number one is Sean. Okay. I'm, oh, I'm not going to argue with that. No, I'm, I, I'm just leaving it as far as I'm looking at what he was best at, which was being a villain, and to me, he was the better villain than anybody else. Hmm? All right. All right. Well, on that note, you know what? Let's let's bring in somebody whose opinion maybe means just a tweety-weety <laughs> bit more Impossible. than ours does so that you guys can debate who is the greatest of the four horsemen who is not con- actually considered one of the four, four horsemen. <laughs> so we will be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. We are back on the 83 Weeks channel. Joining us now is Eric Bischoff. Hello, sir. He is Hi, present. Guys. How are you? We're great. How are you tonight? I'm, I'm doing well. Glad to be back home. So it was a busy couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know. I know. We, <laughs> yeah. I, know I don't want to be weird. Uh, beforehand, we did divulge to our, uh, our viewers that we met up with you. We didn't share no, any of our saying, secrets. I, I know I was a little jet lag, but I thought I remember the four of us sitting <laughs> the airport Marriott uh, bar and spending at least an hour and a half together. And I was—I thought I caught you all up. I was surprised that, by that, that question. That, then it must, must have been a jet lag because one, Steve wasn't there. Two, it was about three hours. <laughs> it was about three hours. That's why right, Steve you didn't show up. You, Before, you guys put this thing whole, this whole thing together, and you didn't show up. I was hurt. <laughs> Many apologies, sir. Uh, family, Florida, it was a lot. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. All right, well, we want to. We, we talked about some things that night, but we want to give a great debate that our listeners can kind of uh, participate in. And so what we want to do tonight is let these gentlemen here debate who is the best horseman ever who's not considered one of the main four who was inducted into the Hall of Fame. So that would be Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Barry Windham. So aside from those four... They're going to give you who they think is the best horseman. And you, sir, are going to decide the big winner. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, gentlemen. Who is the best horseman who is not one of the actual four horsemen in the Hall of Fame? Starting with you. Christian Rosenberg. I guess I'm starting. So my my pick is Chris Benoit because, to me, the... The definition of Bill in a stable is to have people in there where they learn from the main eventers that are in there and work their way up to build themselves to become a success by themselves. You look at guys like Randy Orton, Batista, Rock, Godfather, Triple H in the original DX. All these guys kind of start around the mid-card when they build up more charisma, more promo skills, and obviously they got the ball more often than when they moved up, got to go on their own, they became champion. Benoit empathize that was the antithesis of that. That's the word I was looking for. Um, while he was with big a horseman. Words. Yeah, try to use big words. Big words win, right? Um, yeah, and yeah, he did yeah, that yeah, with a horseman. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Doesn't antithesis mean the opposite? <laughs> Maybe. I might have screwed up. <laughs> I, might have screwed oh, dude, I, I think I caught you. No, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, wanted, I wanted to sound impressive and I failed miserably. This is so fun no. already. <laughs> Right, but yeah, but that—that's why to me, because that's the type of guy you want in a stable to build up and then eventually merge emerge on their own, and that's why I felt Benoit was the one. Okay, George Hermosa, go. 
Oh man, I want to go last. Uh, I mean, I, I, you're completely right about everything that you just said about about stables. But the horseman is special. For the horseman to be special, you have to have a specific enforcer in some ways to kind of be the strong man. That's why I think out of everybody, I think Sid, Sid just Sid Vicious was the best guy to represent exactly what that stable represented as far as you know strength, power. Uh, he did have some charisma as far as that goes, but as far as like just being the heel group, Sid fit perfectly in that. That I mean, they strive that. Heel group, you know. I know they were baby faces later on, but that as a heel group, Sid Sid Vicious, nobody could compare to his strength and just overall presence in the actual Horseman itself. Okay, wow, another succinct argument. All right, <laughs> and I didn't use any words I wasn't supposed to. So. <laughs> Our last man standing. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Steve Kaufman, go. All right, I made a very splashy choice. Because I think by 1989, everyone knew what the Four Horsemen was and wasn't. The key was to grow it to a larger audience. That is why my choice is Sting. I think by Sting joining in 1989, allowing the group to be a face group, and then leaving to elevate himself and Ric Flair moving on, did the most for Sting, did the most for Ric Flair, did the most for the Four Horsemen. Sting is my choice. Okay, so you have to choose from, Eric. <laughs> the uh, the young guy who made the most of it in Chris Benoit, or the enforcer, Sid Vicious, or is it the guy who raised the profile, Sting? Who is the best of the four horsemen who is not really a four horseman? Well, you guys are really good at this, though. You all three have really good... I mean, you're really good. You have great arguments. And, I, you know, I've often said Chris Benoit was one of my most recent... Um, additions to the four horsemen because he just he was cast so perfectly for it he had the look he had the vibe the way he carried himself but he was intense he was believable and you know you would believe he could take just about anybody out so i liked him even even though he didn't have the size of sid vicious which i agree you know is is imposing to say the least um what i disagree with though is when you got a guy as big as sid and he's a heel the only way that's going to work long term is if he's a chicken shit heel now, if he's a big, bad, powerful heel that just demolishes everybody because he can, you're kind of you're kind of getting the balance a little whack on your heel babyface chemistry. I also love the idea of Sting. I think your your rationale there is really right. I'm surprised I didn't hear Kurt Hennig <laughs> mentioned in there. See, I don't um, think he was there long enough. I would have loved to put him, but I don't think he was there long enough for us to kind of say he was a legit horseman, like for a gut foundation. Yeah, yeah. I think though, if I if I if I had to pick one, I'd pick Chris Benoit. Yes. <laughs> ding ding ding. There all there was no wrong answer, by the way, or no wrong pick. But I like I just like him the best because when I look at factions and the chemistry that's required to really get them over, once you get that, it also comes down to the look. It's like casting a movie, and he just had that believable look. He looked like he fit in. I deserve a title. You do. I'm we'll have to belt. make one for oh, you. Man. We'll make it out of hand. <laughs> can we all agree that the worst was Paul Roma? Yeah, we can probably agree on that. Oh, yeah. Before well, we got Eric, to on you? the line, they, they collectively agreed that Paul Roma was the worst. What do you think, I, Eric? Oh, I Yeah, we talked about that on the podcast. I, I was really unimpressed. <laughs> Well, the whole reason why we're talking about Four Horsemen, of course, is because you guys celebrated Rick's 70th birthday on this episode of 83 Weeks. Are you surprised that Ric Flair made it to 70? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Look, I, you know, I've often joked, and I'm, I'm glad I'm still joking about it today, that Ric Flair is like a cockroach. He's going to be around long after the rest of civilization <laughs> is long gone by. <laughs> He's going to be around for a long time. So, no, I'm not surprised. Okay. Um, you mentioned a lot on this, ep- or you mentioned on this episode that Ric Flair worked with Shane Douglas. My question is: Was there any hesitation to hire Shane Douglas after he both threw down the NWA World Title and talked a whole bunch of trash about pretty much the industry at large while he was down in ECW? Oh, no, not not really. Hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> that's all you no, needed. No debate there. Shit up, you know. Yeah. Just. Hold on, let me put my date bell straight out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You guys in this episode talked a little bit about the NWO horseman parody angle that you guys did a, a week before Fall Brawl. Uh, you've kind of gone on record and kind of gave a couple regrets and apologized for a few things. Do you regret doing the segment, or do you regret certain parts of that segment? Well, you know, no, I regret doing the segment. You know, oh, to, to try to break it down and say, okay, well, that, that verbiage would have been okay, but that verbiage would have been too much. And, you know, by the time you're done deconstructing a scene like that, you might as well start over with a whole new idea. So I don't think it's a matter of, gee, if we just would have not said this or changed the phrase or wording combination. No, I think it would have been better just to stay away from the whole, you know, forced retirement, injury, old man, you know, end of your road. That, it's a... It's not the kind of heat that really works. I mean, you know? I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like, watching that segment back in 97, that segment made me want to watch and order Fall Brawl uh, 97 because I saw how much I wanted the horsemen to get their comeuppance. Now, whether they got it or not, that's another story. But for, for, for as far as business goes, that segment made me want to order and watch the War Games match. So isn't it kind of like, at what line is it business or what line is it just personal? Um, it's always both. <laughs> See, that's a problem. That's a challenge. You know, we all know, I'll, I'll, I know um, from my perspective that anytime that you can merge reality and fiction in, in a way that appears to be seamless to the viewer and the audience, it, it allows them to really buy into a story because the emotion is mostly real. You know, wrestlers aren't actors with the exception of, of a small handful, you know, Rock, Batista, Cena, and whoever. But for the most part, you know, they're, they're pretty decent actors and actresses, but that's not their strength. And I, I don't know. Well, speak, <laughs> well speak, speaking of Batista, just out of curiosity, did you see the birthday segment that was done on Raw? For Ric Flair, did I, saw, I didn't see it live. I didn't watch it live because I got home late from from uh, St. Louis. But I did. I did watch clips of it today. So yeah, pretty um, pretty surprising. I love I love a hot ending. You know when mm-hmm. you when you go off the air super hot like that with heat. That was something that we try. You can't do it fifty two weeks a year, but man, it was something that when you were able to do it and do it well, it's awesome. And I kind of you know it was a little you know. Rick is 70 and Batista's a beast and that was a little different to watch. I was surprised frankly that they went that way. I'm sure Rick was ecstatic about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know he was. That was probably his birthday present. <laughs> probably paid his own way to, to his own birthday party as, as they beat him up in the hot angle at the end. Well, I, I was just curious with it, because as, as hot and as surprising of an angle as that was with Batista, I was just kind of curious at your thoughts when they have the legends come out. So you have Steamboat, you have Sting, 
Um, you have uh, Shawn Michaels, and they literally just walk to the ring and pretty much wave and like, nope, that's that's what we flew you out here for, and that's it. So I was just gonna get like, do you like that idea when they just have legends pretty much come out and like, yeah, I'm still here. I'm not really sure I understood your question, to be honest with okay. you, because um, I didn't see, I didn't see the scene all of oh, gotcha. the scene clips. So, 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 so pretty much what they did was they um, they were introducing special guests for the birthday party, where Shawn Michaels came out, Sting came out, Steamboat came out, and then they were ready to introduce Flair, and then they cut to the scene with him with Batista. So I'm just curious, you know, like you know, they're these legends; they fly him out, you know, or right, we're going to make you know big appearance, but then. You would have wanted them to do something well, more was, with that. Well, I was just kind of, I mean, if you're bringing them out there for something, I would have personally, like, some whether they were kind of the promo, just something, or, or you know, like, wondering what's going on. If they all suddenly ran with Triple H to the back, or, you know, whatever it may have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, it's easy again. This is 2020 hindsight. We're all perfect at that. Like, right. every one of us is perfect, you know, after the fact. But you're you're right, and I see that. And you could also get a lot more of an investment out of that, is if, if we were to see more of, of the the special guests, and you know, with Batista in there early on in the show and seeing some interaction. You know, the end always hangs on the beginning. Sometimes, well, mm-hmm. not always. Sometimes, but most often, the end of a good story hangs on the very beginning. You know, if it's set up very very well, and you understand who the good guys and the bad guys are, or if there's a surprise, as in this case, you know, if if, if that's set up really well in the beginning, and then when it happens at the end you go oh that's where that was going i mean that's a fun story right so i think they could have done more with the guys kind of maybe even interacting with rick a little bit backstage as everybody was arriving just to establish that relationship so that when i went the other way it was a bit of more of a surprise personally i think it worked i work i think it worked because you put them all in the ring expecting a big party and then batista ruined that party Oh, no, that's how I, I read mean, for me. Oh, I love I love the end with Batista. Yeah. I was just wondering with that part. But see what it, what it says to me is they didn't want to risk doing the whole thing live, so it was easy to pre-tape the physical part backstage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it look like it was happening in real time. You could tell Bruce Pritchard is back. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you uh, brought that up, Eric. I'm gonna segue. <laughs> Segway City. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on Bruce Pritchard reportedly being back working behind the scenes at WWE? I'm um, I'm thrilled for for Bruce for for many reasons, um, but I've gotten to know Bruce pretty well since I started working with him in WWE, and Bruce was Bruce was hugely successful. Bruce was more successful over the last two years than he ever was financially. <laughs> Uh, during his career in WWE, he's he's been doing really really well, but there was something missing in his life, and I think that something missing was his relationship with the entire team, but especially Vince McMahon. Um, they were together for a long time, so I think that even though Bruce was doing so well financially with his podcast and with his live shows, I think he's going to be a much happier person back home where he really probably needs to be. Were you surprised when you saw that news bit about him going back to WWE? I didn't even see it. I, I got to St. Louis. I've been traveling quite a bit, as you guys know, um, except for you, Steve. You weren't there last week. <laughs> see how I did that at the end? <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. But, um, yeah, 
Let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, hey, I catch myself babbling, so whenever I catch myself babbling, I'm just going to make us change subjects. When Ric Flair retired, you made it sound there like you expect Bruce's podcast and live shows and those things to end. Is that the case? I don't want to say it's not my role. It's not my job. And, I, and the truth is, I don't know. I, I'd be big. I don't know. And that's, I found out on Saturday, as I was about to say, uh, when I got to St. Louis and, and I saw uh, Conrad at the hotel about 2.30 in the afternoon, and he looked kind of down a little bit. And I said, hey, what's up? And he said, haven't you heard? I said, no, I haven't heard anything. And then I found out the news then. And I sent Bruce a, a, a little text just to kind of give him a shot. <laughs> Right. Of course, you got to do that stuff. Well, the news that Bruce is in comes along with the news that Arn Anderson is out at WWE. Do you think that's a big loss for the company? It's so hard to say. I mean, it has to be in the sense that, you know, Arn Anderson has probably been working full time either as a wrestler and sometimes at the very highest level, working with a lot of you know experienced bookers over the last couple of decades, been through all of it, seen it all, done it all. Um, and then to transition into being an agent or you know, producer, whatever they call them in WWE, it, there's a lot of knowledge there, a lot of experience. And you can't just replace that. There, you, you can't find that kind of experience um, out there in the marketplace. So when anytime someone with that much experience leaves the industry or leaves a company, all that knowledge, and, and it's not even knowledge as much, because wrestling is more art than science, it, it's instinct. That's that's what they're going to miss the most is when Arn is fully engaged and is feeling good about what he's doing and the team he's working with. He he's got a great instinct because he he understands the psychology and he feels what works and what doesn't. You can't replace that. I mean, you can find a lot of people that know a lot of wrestling holes and have seen a million matches and have an opinion on ten million different things, but it's hard to replace that instinct. Um, when Ric Flair retired in two thousand eight. Did you believe that was it, or did you deep down know he'd wind up somewhere else like TNA or Hulkamania? Oh, I knew he was going to end up somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I, was, I was 100% confident of that. Rick, look, Rick, Rick, I mean, look at Rick right now. Hmm. Crying out loud, we watched him get we watched him <laughs> with a of angle on his 70th birthday. Guess what? That's not going to be the last time you're going to see Rick Flair. Hmm. You will see him again. He's just, he's not, <laughs> he's going to keep working until <laughs> he's no longer here, and that's going to be a long time. When was the last time you saw Ric Flair? Oh, must have been a month or so ago, a month or two ago. I see Rick fairly often. We cross paths uh, quite regularly, you know, on the Comic-Con circuit or at autograph signings and things like that. Uh, so I, I see him fairly regularly. Who does... The worst woo impression that you've heard. <laughs> Everybody thinks it's probably. so cute to do the woo. Yeah, it probably me. I mean, I think I could. I think Prove I could it. have done it, you know, fifteen or twenty years ago. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it a shot now. Ah, oh. not oh. even for this show. Oh, that, that's what I was hoping. Huh? Well, no, I, I wouldn't do that to Ric Flair a day after his seventieth. <laughs> Well, he wasn't the only guy who made a big appearance on Raw on Monday night this week. Roman Reigns actually came out and announced that his cancer is in remission. And he was also cheered by the crowd. He was received by them much differently than he has been in the past. How do you think this cancer journey 
I don't want to say story, his story of being a cancer survivor. How do you think that'll affect his relationship with the fans or maybe how he's seen as Roman Reigns? Yeah, there's no way of knowing. You know, here's what we here's what we know. Mm-hmm. We know two of the three pieces of the of the puzzle right now. We know as of last night, um, Roman is Roman's back, and the crowd loves him. Right now, the crowd loves Roman Reigns. Right? We know he's been through this amazing journey, as you refer to it, or going through this the treatment or whatever he had to do to come out of. You know, I guess he's been going through cancer at one point or another for the last eleven years. So he's been down this road before, but he's made a comeback. Now, what we don't know is what's WWE going to do with that. Are they going to go with? what seems natural right now because of the way the crowd did react because of the inherent underdog i mean if you talk about an underdog story you know there's nobody there's nothing more badass than cancer on the face of this earth right right and for a guy to come out of that especially a guy like roman reigns the way he went out and all the passion and the emotion that went with him when he when he went off and said look i gotta take care of this they've got an abundance of great stuff there just raw materials right now what they do with those raw materials we'll find out if they go with it as i was about to say seems like it's on a kind of a natural path of its own and you know maybe it's wrestling karma right Hmm. um if they decide to go another way with that, it could be highly, highly controversial. And you'd have people probably losing their minds over it yeah. social media. Oh, <laughs> is that a bit of a suggestion? I, I don't want to, you know, just I, know you don't, man, I, know. I don't want to influence anybody's thinking. <laughs> Not that would, but... Um, speaking to the current product, what's your reaction to Honky Tonk Man being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame this year? You know, I want to say some smart-ass thing and keep it all going. but <laughs> And we expect you to. Don't no, I can't. You know, when it comes to this kind of thing, you know, I'm happy for him. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm not friends with Honky, but despite what you hear and what you see and how much fun I have, you know, busting his chops and probably how much fun he's had. I know he's had over the last 20 years busting mine. Um, at the end of the day, I'm happy when a guy who is really all of his adult life was in this business. And it's in that that business, I should say. I still forget I'm not in it anymore. But, you know, that, that's been the largest part of his adult life. And it's been obviously his identity. I mean, he's still, you know, wears the gimmick and shows up at a lot of these events. And to have a moment like this and kind of get that acknowledgement from your peers that you were important, you know, to the industry, it's got to make any human being feel good. He's still a jackass, but I'm, I'm, happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's going to be a happy jackass. Aw, that's so sweet. Oh, okay. Well, before we let you go, Eric, just well, one more. That's not that sweet. <laughs> it was pretty. Uh, that was not what I expected from you. That was pretty sweet. That was sweet for Eric Bischoff. Yeah, it's as sweet as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is your live show with Bruce Pritchard still on for this weekend? It is on. It, it is for, on. It's, it's, it's on in more ways than one. Because now... I know the deal, right? Bruce and I are still going to be friends, and we'll still talk to each other over the holidays and all that kind of happy stuff. It'll be awesome. But what we're not going to talk about is wrestling. Oh, yeah. 
beast because you don't do that, right? When you're at the level he's at and you're someone like me, even though you're friends, you just respect each other's positions, so to speak, and just don't talk about that stuff. So I know I'm not going to be able to bust his balls about wrestling or anything anytime in the near future. So I'm going to take all the shots I can. All right, cool. Well, we look forward to hearing all the uh, breaking news that comes out of that one. And we will see you again next week. I'm going to knock him out. <laughs> Thank you so much, you Eric. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh, that was fun and juicy as per usual. Yes. Dare I say, as per usual. Great debate, too, guys. And uh, let's give it up one more time for the big winner of our very first ever great debate, Christian I'm, Rosenberg. I'm trying to do Eric's wave. I'm Yay! trying to do his wave. Oh, thank you. That's pretty cool. good, actually. Oh, uh, this was fun. We don't actually know what they're going to cover next week on 83 Weeks because you guys have to vote in the poll, so make sure you do that. Uh, it's through their Twitter at 83 Weeks, correct? Correct. And while you're there, while you're social mediating... Where can they keep up with you guys at? Big winner of the night. Well, follow the winner on Twitter, at Will Rosenberg, Instagram, The Will Rosenberg. Get a Segway City shirt at prosentees.com slash Christian Rosenberg. And you could check me out on AfterBuzz TV hosting the AfterBuzz Smackdown recap show. Woo, and apparently it's going to be good tonight. Some, well, it just it already happened last night. It was, it was a good show. <laughs> um, but you, know, you can follow me on G-Hermosa, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F. M-A-N-N, I run a lot of YouTube pages, including the one you're currently watching, so if I'm tweeting the link, subscribe, like, not rate. is not a thing. That's a whole thing. (laughs) And I would love it if you guys would reach out to me at Christy Reports. Let us know what you love about this show. If you maybe have any suggestions, things you want to hear, if you have questions for Eric, you guys can always hit us up. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe, and we will see you next week for another After 83 Weeks. Have a good one. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.